Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mav Sports Take, episode 35, your unmuzzled sports talk here with Ryan Roberts and Mr. David Turner, 18-year scouting vet in the business across the NFL, Arena League, and CFL, weekly podcast for sports business, and a whole lot more. Here we tackle the business of all the news that you hear about and some that people don't want to talk about. Tonight, we welcome Mr. Steve Weish from the NFL Network, graduate of Howard University, host of Hustle and Flow podcast. Uh, with Mr. Jim Trotter and a member of the HBCU Hall of Fame Selection Committee. Second interview after we get Steve on will be with Executive Director of this weekend's first ever HBCU Combine, which is taking place in Birmingham, Alabama. That is with Mr. Philip Blackwell. Philip has served as National Director for the NFL Regional and Super Regional Combines, NFL Veteran Combines, and NFL International Combines since 2009. So sit back, get ready for a completely unmuzzled look into the history of HBCU football. We're going to be talking about some of the greatest players that have donned these these esteemed um, these esteemed universities, these college and these universities. We're talking about players like Jerry Rice at Mississippi Valley State. We're talking about guys like Walter Payton at Jackson State, David Deacon Jones at South Carolina State. Recent years, South Carolina State, Darius Leonard, Javon Hargrave, talking about Willie Lanier. We're talking Mel Blunt. We're talking Willie Davis, Willie Brown, Art Shell. So many great players that we're going to kind of mention throughout the show to highlight the next wave in HBCU great football players. David, long intro to say, I'm excited for this, man. I can't even tell you the minute that this was presented to us, right? I did an HBCU kind of, kind of highlight seminar in the summer and then I didn't even know at that point that that it was so close to your heart, just highlighting these athletes from these esteemed universities. Excited to get talking about this tonight. Yeah, I mean, ever since I worked with Willie Brown at the Raiders and got to you know sit and hear his stories, old man Willie would always educate me on you know the historic black colleges and the universities and their contributions not only to their local communities but across the nation and what they've done for this great country of ours. Uh, so much of their microphone has been has been muffled and muzzled. And so tonight here, as everybody knows, at Mavs, we're unmuzzled. We're bringing on the heavy hitters. We got Steve. We got Phil. We're going to be talking all about the heavy hitters that came out of there. We, we're talking about Hall of Famers, guys who with gold jackets have come from HBCUs. So a lot of the young players that are listening, if you think you got to go to a PWI, got to go to a Michigan State in Alabama in order to make it to the NFL and make it to the Hall of Fame, guess what? You don't. The paveway, the pathway has been paved by a lot of men that have done this, taken these steps, um, and and made it there themselves. 
So, you know, tonight I'm just excited to have Steve on to really talk about in, in his rich history and knowing. And he's a member who sits on the, the uh, HBCU Black um, Football Hall of Fame committee that selects all these young, you know, these, these great players to the Hall of Fame that they get their their jackets from them. And and he has to sit and hear all their stories and review their cases to be greats. Um, so I, I really am appreciative of Steve coming on and talking this uh, um about these these great players, about this great opportunity. And this weekend, I'm just honored to be part of the first ever HBCU Historic Black College and University like football combine to give them a platform that they can launch their careers off of and give them an opportunity to heighten their exposure, whereas a lot of these colleges don't get all the NFL scouts there. This weekend, we're putting them through the grinder, and you know I'll be on there on, on site personally to verify all measurables, all times, and make sure that we are uh, giving them a great workout to send the film to the NFL, CFL, XFL teams, and try to help somebody's you know young man's dream come true. Absolutely. And if you see the banner behind us, we have some more of those names. Richard Dett, Larry Little, Aeneas Williams. So many great football players. Shout out to Dakota Fala for making us this sweet graphic behind us. Just highlighting some of these all-time greats and then highlighting the next wave. So, get, of course, we're going to have Steve Weiss on in just a couple minutes. Kind of want to just give some historical context for a second. We're talking about HBCU. I feel like a lot of people may be, I don't want to say ignorant, but maybe a little oblivious to what that means. What is the significance? Obviously, we're coming from a football scope, but these historically black colleges and universities, the institutions of higher education that were established before the Civil Rights Act of 1964 with the intention of primarily serving the African-American community. Most of these institutions were founded in years after the American Civil War and are concentrated in the southern United States. During the period of segregation in the United States prior to the Civil War, uh, Civil Rights Act, the overwhelming majority of higher education institu- institutions were predominantly white and completely disqualified or limited um, African-American enrollment. So aside from the great football players that they have put out in recent years, we're talking about the history of education. We're talking about the opportunities that these schools have all presented to the African-American, to the black community. So without further ado, again, we're going to be bringing on Mr. Steve Weish. Going to pop him on right now. Of course, you know him. He serves as a reporter for NFL Network, analyst, studio host, and senior writer for NFL.com. Steve, who joined NFL Media in 2008, contributes inside reports, analysis, and moderates panel discussions on NFL Network's signature show, NFL Total Access. He also files field reports at various team facilities and games on NFL Game Day, Morning, and NFL Now. Steve is a panelist on The Aftermath, which airs Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. He started the Hustle and Flow podcast with Jim Trotter this year, which is hugely successful already. We are honored to have him here tonight to join us, of course, a part of this selection committee that David has already mentioned. Steve, appreciate you hopping on with us. This is a great event, great ability to get this information out there. and We really appreciate you just taking a few minutes with us. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Real quick, it is huddle and flow. Let's not get into any copyright lawsuits. I don't want skinny black and, uh, you know, my guy, uh, you know, Anthony Anderson, all those guys coming after us for copyright. So the huddle, huddle and, and flow. flow podcast. Huddle hey, and this flow. is great. And, and David, you know, this is awesome because you said, you know, you got to sit there and listen to Willie Brown when you're in your days with Oakland. You weren't having a discussion with him because you were listening because once he got all the oxygen going, he was eating. 
all of it. You were not. You were. You were listening. You. He was the most wonderful man. I love him. Rest his soul. Um, but the stories he told, and the space and the time he took telling them, you know, it was. You got to bring a change of clothes by the time you finished because he was going to take a minute. But they were all grand tales. Absolutely. And, you know, working at the Raiders, the the greats walked the halls, you know, the ghosts were there and like Jackie Slater was on the staff and, you know, he was talking offensive line with me and, and so many of these wonderful players would come back around and talk sports, but Willie was on the staff every year, you know, other guys would come and go, but Willie was always there and he, you know, he was always gracious to spend time with us and teach us young guys about the history of the game of football, but in specific, the history of HBCU football. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, I, I feel like we should start this conversation off. Obviously, you're sporting the Howard University shirt, right? So this is very near and dear to your heart. So do you think it. just into the past, some of your early moments of HBCU football and when, I mean, when the, the this important, as, as, I don't want to say asset, this important part of your life kind of began? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, I grew up in St. Louis. And as you guys mentioned, most HBCUs are east of the Mississippi, south of Philadelphia, right? So they're mainly the southern part of the country. So I went to University of Missouri and played football for a couple of years there. And that didn't work out. I had a coaching change. I wasn't very good. And so, you know, a coach who had recruited me when he was at Wichita State was Willie Jeffries, right? Willie Jeffries was the first black head coach at a Division One program at Wichita State University. They shut it down in 84. Willie was now the coach at Howard University. So when I decided to transfer, uh, you know, I was like, okay, where do I want to go? Let me go to a black school. Let me look at them because I've, I've never lived around black people. I've never really had a black experience. I grew up well out in the suburbs of St. Louis. And, and so I wrote him. He said, come on. I remember you. Come on. We need you to outside linebacker. This is going to be thin. X, Y, and Z. By the time I got there, as, as David, as you know, in football terms, I lost my stinger. Right? I, I just really – I was done. You know, I was I was someone who walked around naturally at 215, who lifted weights to beef up to 230. I was always having to keep it on. And I was like, look, I'm not going to the NFL. Let me get my grades you know, going and start this journalism career here at Howard. And so while I'm there, I'm, I'd go to games and be like, man, I'd be an All-American, you know, at this level. We had, And there were guys, you know, back then who were going to the NFL. Jimmy Johnson was a tight end at Howard, played a couple of years, you know, five, six years in the NFL in Washington and Detroit and a couple of places. And you would see the talent. So you would see some individual talent, not necessarily collectively like you would see at PWIs. But, you know, while I was there, that's when Doug Williams won the Super Bowl with the Washington football team. And what that meant, right, you know, here's a guy from Grambling who went through holy hell. He was a great quarterback who took the worst franchise in the NFL history, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to playoffs. Damn near every year he was, you know, play, and they wouldn't give him a contract extension because he's a black quarterback. And, and so he sat out and went to the USFL. Um, his coach for the Oklahoma Outlaws, Woody Woodenhofer, was the coach who took over University of Missouri when I was there. And so th- there's all this interconnectivity. And so through the years and, and then going to Howard and learning about, you know, Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice coming from HBCU and, and then all the greats like Donnie Hathaway and Roberta Flack and Felicia and Rashad and Debbie Allen, all the people who came out of Howard and now seeing Kamala Harris and, and, and all of these fantastic people, you know, come from my alma mater. It's just meant so much. But, you know, I've always I've always respected black college football. I mean, you think about those great Chiefs teams, 
you know, that won championships in the AFL and early in the NFL. They would not have done so without players from black colleges. Al Davis and the Raiders, they mined black colleges, but no teams did it like the Cowboys and the Steelers, which is why it's wonderful that Bill Nunn, the former journalist turned scout, is going finally going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year posthumously, but he, he deserved it because he's the one who got, you know, Donnie Shell and Mel Blunt and, and so many of those great players. You know, Joe Gilliam for a while, who was starting quarterback, took Terry Bradshaw's spot for a hot second, you know, went to Tennessee State. So it's all of this this interconnectivity. And now we're seeing kind of a renaissance um, in these black colleges with Deion Sanders going to coach at Jackson State and getting three and four and five-star recruits coming down there. You know, McCore Maker, the five-star basketball player, going to play hoops for Howard. So, you know, I, I really respect what a lot of these schools were able to do kind of piecemeal during covid um, to get guys going to the HBCU Combine and things like that this year. But um, it, it just means everything to me. You see Darius Leonard, Tariq Cohen, Javon Hargrave, and Titus Howard and all these guys still doing their things because, as you mentioned, black colleges were founded because that was the only option. And now it's a choice. And we get yeah. the same education at HBCUs that you can get anywhere else, if not better. And we're, we're proud of that. When we, we stand on the shoulders – and we build, we build on that by choice because we understand what we can do in this world with, with our alma maters, you know, and our colors and the history that preceded us. You know, that's just awesome. <laughs> like, right, it's so fitting to give this show, the entire show to the HBCU, you know, history of, of football because that's what we do. We're sports. We're, we, like Ryan said, our focus is sports, but – the history of these colleges need to be celebrated. And I know one thing Willie always talked about and uh, a guy who's near and dear to my heart, Keon Johnson, who's a Grambling alum, always talk about being Grambling men and how Grambling men, you know, matter certain ways. And they, it's kind of a badge of honor, right? That they went to Grambling and, you know, it, it's just it's awesome to see the pride. I don't have that pride in San Francisco State. It's just San Francisco State. That's where I went to school. Well, you should, man. You got to rep your U, bro. That's why you're here, man. Don't I'm just ever, like no Gators, ever. but still, like you know, it was a, it was more of a commuter school. You didn't live on so campus. What? You just kind of went in and out, you know. But um, you know, Ryan read off a ton of the HBCU greats that were not only contri- huge contributors to the NFL, but they're Hall of Famers. Yeah, in your opinion, why have we seen a decrease in the HBCU players being drafted in from the NFL over the last like twenty years? Well, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's simple because again, think about when you're seeing the clusters. You know, guys like Emmett Thomas and Willie Lanier and Buck Buchanan, you know, all these guys, the great Chiefs teams, right? They all only place they could go to school were the Southerns and the Gramblings and the Tennessee States and. Maryland Eastern Shore and schools like that. Now, the best players are going to Alabama and Texas and USC and and, and Clemson and places like that. I mean, that's who people see on TV. I mean, when I when I was coming up, I was like, okay, I'm going to Missouri, I'm going to Notre Dame, I'm going to go to Kansas State. You know, a place like because that's all I saw on TV growing up in St. Louis. I never saw Grambling. I never saw Southern or Tennessee State or Howard or, or any of these schools on TV. So that's that's the first thing that hits. Then you have budgets at these HBCUs, right? You have coaches maybe getting paid $60,000, dollars I mean, that's not even a shoe, a half, half of a month of a shoe deal 
that what Nick Saban's getting from Alabama, right? So imagine his staff when they when they tell the coaches, "You got three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to fill out a staff." Okay, what's my recruiting budget? Uh, that's got to come out of that. That's got to come out of three hundred fifty thousand. So these guys can't get. You know, if you're up, if you're Delaware State or if you're Cheney up in Philadelphia, you're not going down to Florida, you know, unless you've just got someone down there you can call and say, hey, send me some players. So, right. I mean, that, that they're, they're, I mean that's a significant part of it. So the overall talent – and then coaches, man. Coaches move all the time. It's hard to get an Eddie Robinson who's a lifer, right, or a John Merritt who's, who's coaches at two schools, who's, a, you know, a Black College Football Hall of Famer. It's hard – those guys aren't there anymore at most of these programs. So that's a really difficult thing, you know, even though you've got coaches in, in the PWIs who are, who are floating all over the place, you know, they take recruits with them. They've got the budget to say, Hey, look, man, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave Oregon. I'm going to hop on over here to, you know, to South Carolina, whatever. We want to come with me. Yeah. I got a starting role for you because they don't got a player at Oregon. You would have sat for two years. I'm gone. Well, I mean, it, it's just, it's just so, there's so many things. Because it's not just the athletic programs that don't have the budgets. It's, it's the entire universities. Like I said, there is somewhat of a renaissance with HBCUs, with alumni giving back, and then really kind of watering that seed of the history and, and what you can do. But it's, it's, you know, it's the first few raindrops in a long time of a drought. So you're going to get a handful, again, of great individual players, but collectively just the overall talent um, is not going to be what it's going to be in a Georgia or Florida State or someplace like that. You know, I've shared with you and I've shared with Ryan and our listeners, too. I'd love to get an HBCU channel, sports channel, like the, you know, Pac-12 and the Big Ten to help promote these. Because one of the things is t- driving those programs with their budgets is TV revenue yep. and being able to get on TV. And obviously, you know, I've talked with different companies and one of them is, is, is entertaining an idea with me. And, you know, hopefully we can launch that and get that to help drive more revenue into these schools and help bolster those budgets a little bit to where they can, again, they might not ever compete with Alabama, but you know, Southern Miss, watch out. They could be coming for you. Well, but this, this is what's great about Dion, about, about Dion Sanders being a Jackson state. Cause Dion's got all of the shoe deals. He's got three decades of goodwill and cloud with a lot of endorsement people. He's building a, you know, a winner down there at Jackson state. He's getting players down there. So if he can get that, then maybe we can get, you know, another popular head coach to come down. And we can start pulling that way where all of a sudden you look at the sidelines, you're seeing Pro Football Hall of Famers on the side. Maybe Shannon Sharp wants to come coach, you know, go back to Savannah State and coach one day. You know, Deion didn't go to an HBCU, but he's down there coaching at one because it means something to him. And so that's why this is so important. And I really hope it works. Um, because these are the ways, because, you know, now you see Jackson State's games went from like a streaming ESPN platform to now they're being on ESPN too. Yeah. So these are Walk things that they've got to, right. So, so these are things we've got to continue to see and continue to do and ha- amplify the Celebration Bowl, which is basically a championship of the SWAC and the MEAC that's been on ABC, right? And, you know, the Bayou Classic, you know, the Southern Grambling game that's played Thanksgiving every year in New Orleans. Get get somebody to commit those types of dollars. That will help. That absolutely will help. Maybe we can get these guys on the last chance you because that's one thing I see is with these last chance you man. These JUCOs, 
One year they're on, they're in the middle of Mississippi with no money. And next year they're just loaded up with gear. They're freaking swagged out. They got all the money because these companies see what, what Netflix and being on that series can do to bring viewers to their product. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I think, honestly, a natural one is Disney because they have Hulu, they have, you know, the Disney Plus, plus ESPN and everybody else that, you know, they, they can put a lot of platform and stuff on. And you can celebrate the culture of HB, HBCUs with the big band competitions, step competitions, all sorts of things that also go within the culture of HBCUs and promote it all. And you, there's a lot of ideas that I'm floating with them to see if, you know, we can get them to stick and get them to roll with it. You got to push the homecomings, man. The That's homecomings. what Keon said, too. And they you got to push the homecomings. But Keon oh, said that, too. He's like, man, God. it's all about the homecomings. It's all about the homecomings. You have to push the homecoming because that's when everybody comes back. Seriously, you walk across Howard's yard. I mean, Kamala Harris can't walk across the yard now, but you might see Felicia Rashad or you might see Puffy, you know, P. Diddy, you know, yeah. who was at Howard when I first started. So that's what you have to push and get those people to say, hey, look, can you come on this Disney Plus thing, kind of hype up this homecoming? Yeah, let's do it. So yeah. you got to hit the homecomings, man, because that – that's what brings generations of love back, and that is a highlight, man. People don't care about the game. The game's cherry on top. <laughs> but you push those homecomings, man, because this is the best homecoming ever. So. <laughs> I love how he keeps pulling it up. Yeah, man, always. <laughs> right. oh, the envy is real. The envy is real. We can't win any football games, but we have to do have the, the lick shot homecoming. <laughs> well, well, Steve, I wanted to ask a little bit about um, – heard about the launch of the HBCU Legends All-Star Ball, which is next February. Mm-hmm. Can you just take us – give us a little glimpse into that and the hope for some of the athletes that will be involved in that event? Yeah, it's, it's the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And what this is is kind of – and, you know, it's good you're, you're talking to the uh, the procurer and the director of the HBCU Combine coming off of this because, in a way, this is going to be a bigger platform because what we're going to do starting in 2022 – is 100 draft-eligible athletes. Think of the Senior Bowl, right, where they're going to have a week run-up of practice and then the game on Saturday. Okay, we have a broadcast partner in the NFL Network already on board. We're really racking up sponsors. Patrick Mahomes has made a significant donation over the next three years. And we've got and we've got Rydell uh, has, has been the equipment sponsor. So we, we've got all of this great stuff. These players are going to be treated fantastically, but for a week, Right after the Super Bowl, NFL personnel people can go to New Orleans. We're going to do this at Tulane University. They can go to New Orleans and look at these players. Now, we're not going to have a combine, so to speak. But, again, this is going to be the best of the HBCU guys and the draft jails of players rocking, you know, going up against each other like you're seeing in the Senior Bowl. And this is where you see, like, you know, David Moore, the guard out of Grambling, who's going to get drafted this year, right? So – you're going to see more players like him who's going to have a good week going up against a pretty good competition, but to show things that maybe some of these scouts didn't see. Because one thing about HBCU is you might have a kid who's okay as a sophomore, but maybe he's a little doughy, or maybe he's just not. If it was a junior, okay, he comes back and hits. Now you can give him the eye test, right? Because, David, you did this, right? There's not a lot of people who are going to hit the Prairie Views and the schools like this when they're scouting Rice in Houston and Baylor going through Texas, right? Hey, Prairie View's a little bit out of the way. I'll just get some film on a guy. Well, the film's great, but when you get the eye test on that's big. So this is going to be a real big celebration. You know, just to, again, think of that whole 
Senior Bowl thing. Now, we're not necessarily going to cover it all week on NFL Network like we do the Senior Bowl, but there will be reports all week where there will be, again, the history show on the Doug Williams and James Harris's and, and guys like that to come in and talk. And it's also going to be a good thing for these coaches who might be trying to get into the pipeline because we're going to have HBCU coaches coach this game, interact with some of these NFL evaluators, you know, and, and get their names into the pipeline as well. So it's, it's a whole well-thought-out strategic means of creating opportunities and not giving NFL the NFL and its teams an excuse not to know about these people. Because right now there's a lot of excuses being hung as to why maybe they don't know about this. This will give them no excuse because you can't tell me that these evaluators aren't at least trying to get to New Orleans for a couple of days, for a couple of meals. And they, they're they going to make an excuse. I'm going to this game, and I'm also going to go buy Emeralds and grab a, you know, a nice little etouffee while I'm there. Hey, I'm going to let you know, if you want to combine at the front end of that week, on the, if you want to combine at the front end of that week, you let me know. We'll pull it off. We'll put it together for you. We'll run uh, them. We'll test them. We'll make them happy. Because, perfect marriage. That's a perfect marriage. If you I'm know, we'll so make it happen. Makes, makes, it makes too much sense. <laughs> I I love the idea. Honestly, I would love the idea to do a combine at the beginning part of the week and then let them practice and play at the end. And now that, like you said, there's no excuses. We ran them. We tested them. We measured them. We, you could interview them all week. You could watch them practice all week in pads. You could watch them play in a game. What's your excuse? You didn't have an excuse. And it's in Tulane. It's in New Orleans. What else do you need? You got six days of vacation, basically, in New Orleans. And all you got to do is watch some football players. Just like, come for one. Just yeah. come for one. One or two. Just come for one or two. In between. If, if, yeah. if that's all you're going to A couple of oysters in there. You know, you're good. That's right. <laughs> now, with the HBCU Combine coming up this weekend, obviously, the, last year the NFL wanted to do one. It got canceled because of COVID down in um, my, uh, Miami. Miami. Yeah, Miami. Yep. This weekend we're doing it at uh, UAB. They've been gracious enough to let, allow us on their campus, um, and we're going to be doing it at UAB. We invited the kids from last year's combine, all 50 of them. You know, some of them are in the NFL, so they couldn't make it, but we're getting about 35 of our, no, 34 of our participants of the 45 are from last year's class. I got left behind. And then the rest of them are filling in from this year. We have 45 athletes that will be in attendance. We're really excited about last year's athletes attending because. We're like, you know what? They did get left behind. They were planning on this combine. They've stayed in shape. They've stayed ready. But now we're bringing them into this situation. So they're not going to be that, that feeling is, is there. How do you feel about us doing a combine like this and, and the whole combine idea for just for HBCU individuals? I, I think it's great. I, I mean, I honestly think it's great because again, we're talking about opportunity. So you had guys last year who did not have an opportunity to get into as undrafted free agents even, into mini camps and OTAs and to get eyes on them because they didn't have them. Everything was virtual last year. So there could have been some, some kid at Tennessee State who was coming off of an injury, who didn't have a lot of tape, who was counting on that combine to go show you that his previous year's tape was legit and he's gained 15 pounds or something like that. He didn't get that opportunity. So I think the fact that you're doing this when it looks like we are going to have the potential of some on-field work in the offseason with these NFL teams. This is a way – and CFL, you know, you talked about some of the other leagues. That's another way. That's another avenue. Whatever these kids can do. And, and I'm so glad these kids have not given up on their dreams and they're still trying to do this because it can be very discouraging just not to be able to get eyes on you or not be able to have that conversation. 
And, and that's there's so many guys with these teams with a reduced salary cap. They're looking for undrafted free agents, right? So this could be an opportunity to find that gunner, to find that long corner who can work as a gunner, who can work as something. And you can develop him because he fits Gus Bradley's scheme, right? Or he fits what Dan Quinn wants to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing. Football has become so specific. It is not just about 40 times and vert. It is about I need a long corner, a long corner I can put on the open side of the field who, because I'm going to put him where I'm going to put my best pass rusher and I'm going to run games, he's going to be manned up. But he might not have to do anything crazy because they're going to get pressure on that quarterback in, in two seconds. He's just going to be able to stick with this dude when the ball comes his way, get his hands on him. Those are the types of people I'm hoping that they can find and at least get an opportunity who didn't get that shot last year. So I think this is a fantastic window for some people to come look for. And I think the timing makes sense too, Steve, because you mentioned, I mean, we're obviously coming from an HBCU perspective, but like last year, even with so many kids in general that didn't get an opportunity with pro day cancellations, didn't get an all-star opportunity. Like so many people, so many players are still sitting on the streets and trying to figure out what's the next step and, this is just presenting for me this weekend an opportunity for at least a population and an important population that we're trying to get more eyes in front of. Well, well and Ryan, here, here's the other part of it. And that's even where the guys who, who got a chance this year are just caught in this awful conundrum, right? Mm-hmm. So even when you guys are having this combine this weekend, there's still teams in the SWAC that are playing games. So you had a group, you had a group of players this year because there was no fall ball pretty much in the, your, your black conference footballs. And then the MEAC, the Mid-East Athletic Association, like Howard only played two games, both against Delaware State. A lot of teams did not even play a season. I don't think the Cookman played a season this year. I, I may be wrong, but I think some teams didn't. The SWAC is playing right now, but they don't finish until I think a week before the actual draft. So those kids who decided to play, they're, you know, their draft eligibility may start before anyone can really get a look on them or give them a call or actually get the proper measurement on them so that they may be stuck. They may be SOL. That's why David Moore, the guard out of Grambling, decided to skip his spring season and say, I'm going to go ahead and get ready for the NFL. And he goes, he has a great senior bowl. People you talk to say he's probably going to be drafted in fifth, sixth, or seventh round. He's a draftable player as a guard. So, I mean, th- this, this whole thing, the way it's impacted black colleges – has been horrible because remember they didn't have spring ball last year either. So that's another reason why this HBCU combine is fantastic. A lot of these kids have gone well more than a calendar year of having an opportunity to show themselves. So again, that's why I love the fact that this is being assembled, that you've got this many people and that you're getting this film to these NFL teams because the NFL is not allowing uh, team personnel to attend this in person for whatever reasons. Yep. Now that's a great point too. It's, it's like we, we saw at the senior bowl, you mentioned David Moore, even outside of HBC, you talk about a Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. They had yep. a rough first day. They hadn't played football in over a year. <laughs> just the context that people sometimes lose. And I, I couldn't agree more just with the full scope of everything. A guy like David Moore had to bet on himself because he was put behind the eight ball. Like what decision he's supposed to make. And this is a young man where at his age, he probably shouldn't have to make that decision. But Unfortunately, that's the circumstances he was thrown into. Yeah. What else do you think we can be doing to help support the HBCUs at this juncture, this Renaissance era, to to heighten the 
I guess it's just the hype. Get them going more. Stoke the, the fire. Yeah. Like, what else can we do to help it out? I mean, obviously, it's something I, I care about and, and I want to help, but I'm not sure I know everything how to help. But in your eyes, what is it some stuff we can do? Well, it's, it's funny because we all, we all, we all sit on the treetops, right? So we're, we're looking at it here. We're going to do the NFL or to the general public to get them to pay attention. To me, it starts at the seven-on-seven leagues and in the high school leagues, right? Because a lot of these coaches have no idea. A lot of high school coaches have never heard of a Lincoln University, have never heard of Florida A&M. Seriously, they have no idea what those schools are. So if we can get some of these seven-on-seven programs to get the attention of some of these HBCUs and vice versa, right, if there can be a connection – Hey, Florida AM, can you have, can we stage a seven on seven summer competition on your campus? What about that? So now you're going to see two or three kids who could be three star kids say, I love my time down in Tallahassee, Florida AM. I'm going to go to school. That's how the recruiting starts. That's what making these coaches familiar. So instead of them necessarily sending kids who, who miss out, on going to, you know, even, you know, an app state. So, you know what? I don't have an app state, but I just got a, co- a call from the coach at Southern. They got two scholarships still open and they're looking for a tackle and a flanker. And I, and you, we know we got you two there. Why don't you give that a shot? You don't have to be a black student to go there. Hell, Ryan Stanley, the quarterback at Florida AM, was the Black College Football Hall of Fame um, Offensive Player of the Year. I'm sorry, he was the MEAC player of the year in 2019 is white, right? So you don't have to be whatever race, just go there and get an opportunity to play football. And so I think if it's more at the grass level, level, David, if you can get these high school coaches to know that they have options at this, at this level and that these options are good options, not just like, hey, settle for this. Like, hey, you might want to look right here because you can go right in and start. And this is the type of offense that you're gonna you're gonna catch 55 passes for a thousand yards every year. They're running an NFL type offense that you can transition to right away and be a star. These are things people don't talk, they talk about that stuff when it comes to Georgia and Alabama, but they don't talk about it. The stuff we're seeing on the field right now in the NFL, three-man bunch, wide side, tight action here, or tough flex tight end over, that's the stuff that Willie Totten and Mississippi Valley State and Jerry Rice were running back in the day. They are sampling stuff from black colleges that are not getting credit. And, you know, to hear Jerry Rice and some of these guys talk about what's happening on our this is where it's from. This is where the sausage started being made. And again, if we can start at the grassroots level to try to convince young people to go, the quality is going to go up, the TV deals are going to come, and you're going to see more people coming into the NFL. It's not always the end result we need to look at. We need to look at the beginning of potential solutions, and that starts with the recruits getting to these HBCUs. You know what I just heard? Perfect storm. Because we did a show a couple months ago with recruiters from Illinois and Weber State, and they were saying how they don't have the scholarships this year and maybe next year to give away to these high school seniors 
because of this new, you know, extra year of eligibility. Right. Well, maybe the HBCUs do. And if you're if your young man is not getting the attention that you think they should, or your even your young lady in softball is not getting the attention that you think she should, maybe you should be reaching out to HBCUs and saying, "Hey, I got a player for you. Do you have a spot for him?" Because you know he was on a watch list for Missouri, but Missouri's got off him because they said they don't have the scholarship for him. Guess what? Now you can you here's a perfect storm with the opportunity. Move right into HBCU country right now. Yeah, but again, that's maybe us instead of the university, which don't have the budget. Because we're here. Hey, we're putting guys in the NFL. We run a scheme that you ran in your high school that's kid flourished in. We're here. Don't forget about us. Yeah, absolutely. This has been great. This is awesome. This is just I'm, I'm geeking out over here. My head's like, I'm like, I got to call Nike and I got to get Nike combines there. I got to do this and that in HBCU. Like, I'm like, my brain's just like going a mile a minute on how, okay, you gave me some ideas. Let me see what I can do. You know, let me get it running. Well, before David's head explodes, Steve, I want to thank you so much for taking some time. I'm going to give you a minute. If you want to shout out Twitter handles, social media stuff, your podcast, whatever you kind of want to leave the uh, the listeners with, we'd, lo- we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, my, my Twitter and IG handles are at Weich, W-Y-C-H-E-89, old jersey number. Um, you can hit me there. You see I'm always repping the Black Eyes Football Hall of Fame, signed by all my guys, Two Tall Jones and and all these great players, uh, you know, and, you know, with everything that's, that's coming up. We've got the Black Eyes Football Hall of Fame ceremony, some great players like Coy Bacon, guys like that are great in the NFL are going in. The Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's not forget about this, guys. We have several HBCU products going in. From last year and this year, guys like Harold Carmichael and Donnie Shell, which is going to bring the total up to about 35, 36 players from HBCUs. That's 10% of the Pro Football Hall of Fame people who went to HBCUs. But let's also remember some of the great coaches. Again, John Merritt, the Eddie Robinson, Jake Gathers. These are the people who molded a lot of young men and made our societies creative. We're here. We're not going anywhere. So... Again, all HBCU love. Everyone make your choices, but don't forget that we're here and making great people producing in society. Fantastic. So, again, Mr. Steve Weish, appreciate it, Steve, again, so much. This was – I mean, I, I could have you on for the next three hours if you wanted, but we, we <laughs> want to be cognizant of your time, so really appreciate you coming on. My brothers, appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate you. All right. So, again, Mr. Steve Weish joining us. NFL Network's own Huddle and Flow podcast with Mr. Jim Trotter. You should go check it out if you haven't already. David, that was a fantastic conversation. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, you could pop on NFL Network anytime and listen to Steve talk. You know, he's very well educated. You know, he's a great speaker. You know, he knows the game. Fantastic, though, to hear his perspective. I think that the greatest part was the beginning when he gave us a little glimpse into his first introduction to HBCU football and where kind of that love developed. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And I, it's, it's, it's the love of the game that I think attracts us to it, but then the history of the game is what keeps us around. I know you're a huge Notre Dame fan and the history of Notre Dame football is something that you, you, you attach to you, you find a common, you know, agreeable format to that. You know what I mean? There's just something about it that you're like, man, I love the history. And, and there's, again, down south, 
And when you go to Alabama, there's Alabama fans, there's Auburn fans, and that households are split. And it's, yeah. it's you know, on that game, <laughs> wives and husbands are fighting in there against yeah. each other. The Iron Bowl. It's great yeah. stuff. Man. So, but in the HBCUs and talking to, like, hearing Steve talk about Howard and being so proud about repping Howard, and even tonight he's wearing the shirt. And like mm-hmm. I said, Willie would talk about Grambling and Keon and, you know, Jackie Slater and all these greats talk about being part of these schools. It's more than the game that they played on the field. It's more than the brotherhood in that locker room. It's a culture around the campus. And then to hear him tie in homecoming and how we might not win football games, but we win homecoming. You know, it's like they it's it, it's so beautiful to hear people talk about their experiences. Every single person I've ever run into to hear them talk about it, their experience at HBCUs, it's been a beautiful conversation with them. Yeah. And I've been envious of it because in high school I had it because where I went to high school was a special place. But like I said, in college, it was like a commuter college. It was what it was. Went and got my degree and got out. You know, I was I was looking at other things and trying to do other stuff in life. I, and to have these conversations, it just brings back such a passion for a place. And, you know, it's 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 amazing. And I really appreciate Steve's time tonight. Like you said, you and I, we could have geeked out with him for like three, four hours. We could have taken this into the wee hours of the night. Um, poured some drinks and just kept it rolling. But, uh, but uh, you know, hopefully we'll have him back on and we'll circle back with him after the event or after, uh, you know, the, the season's over for the, the schwack and get his, get his, uh, you know, take on all that. And I really appreciate him being on tonight. It was very kind of him to donate his time for us. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Now well, that being said, yes. Now that being said, where was, what was the transition? You sound like you were making a transition. No, I was going to, well, I was going to say that being said, um, the one thing that I will say this weekend coming up, we, we have a platform together. Like you heard Steve Steve talk about next year, the legends Bowl. they're going to have a bunch of uh, former coaches and people come talk to the young men Uh, down here at the uh, the HBCU combine this weekend. We're going to have three presenters to them. um, Myself being one of them to talk to them about the interview process of and how to train athletes uh, that are aspiring for professional football to kind of peel back the decision-making process into unveiling how the, the mind of the decision-makers are. I mean, it's kind of why I created Maverick Sports Consulting back in 2015 was in order to help these young men understand what us decision-makers are thinking. So when we ask a question, they understand the why behind it. And I'm very honored that Ulysses and the and the group asked me to present to the young men down there. Because, you know, I have worked with guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Giovanni Bernard, you know, so many more, and taught them these ways. So when they can t- they tackled the interview process in order to make sure they were first-round picks, they were the first running back off the board, whatever the case may be, they didn't fumble the ball on the interview and cost themselves money, you know. So – Again, if if uh, I'm very happy, and then the other presenters are going to talk to him a little bit about financial stability, how it works, and then go into a little bit more of life coaching. So we're putting a little abbreviated program. It won't be an all week. It'll be a night program for them, you know, down there so they can experience a little bit of what Steve and they're going to do, obviously, at the bowl game for all week. Yeah, we obviously are looking very forward to that event. We have Mr. Phil Blackwell, who's going to be on with us in a few minutes. 
before we do, I want to let you know, as David was just kind of alluding to, Maverick Sports Consulting was created in 2015 to train college athletes aspiring to make the leap to professional football. We peel back the decision-making process to unveil what's on the minds of the decision-makers so they understand the why behind the question. As David said, he has worked with players like Odell Beckham Jr., Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Marcus Peer, Giovanni Bernard, and much more. If you're looking to win any of your process, go to mavericksportsconsulting.com today and sign up. David, I will say this. One cool thing that I thought Steve said, and you alluded to it too, we have seen a, a resurgence, right? We have seen Deion Sanders take, um, obviously, the head coaching job at Jackson State. They got off to a really solid start. And it's really fun because he steals a four-star cornerback out of JUCO ranks, DeWan Warren, who, I mean, would he have ever gone to Jackson State in the past? Obviously not, but he wants to be coached by Deion Sanders. He's got his quarterback, Jalen Jones, who is a Florida transfer. So getting players there, we got guys like David Moore from Grambling State in, this, in the class this year, Brian Mills from North Carolina Central. We got uh, Mac McLean from North Carolina A&T who's in the class. So hopefully – now that we're getting some football players, again, we're having this resurgence, a great coach in the ranks with a big name and a big profile and a big reputation, hopefully now that these young athletes, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, I've noticed that a few players that I had had conversation with that over the last couple of years that are from HBCU programs, I always ask them, when you were trying to make your college decision, why was an HBCU why, why was it attractive to you? And a lot of the players for me are just kind of like, eh, I didn't really know much about it, but like, I appreciate it now. And I think that the more exposure we get that appreciation, that higher level, the, the history of the game, the history of these football players, that's the next step for that resurgence. We need that. That's how the stay power is going to be when more of a wider, wider scope, a wider group of people get that, that, that appreciation for the game. And I think that's kind of the next step. I know we got Phil Backwell coming on in a second here. Uh, David, I kind of wanted to highlight a couple of players kind of in and out here of the list of accepted invites for the event because it's cool. Like you said, we got some 2020 guys in the list, not only just 2021. So one guy that I'm excited about seeing on the list is actually a running back from last year, uh, Dewanye Tucker, who is about – Five five, maybe on a good day, but my boy was fun to watch, to say the least. And he was a outstanding football player on the level. A really exciting one. I think another one, and I, I'll let you kind of take the take the uh, mantle on this one, David. You got DeAndre Francois, who had spent his last year at Hampton University, coming down for the event. Yeah, we're excited about DeAndre. I've seen him, uh, you know, compete uh, in this off year a couple times, and. You know, he's he's a gifted quarterback and a gifted young man that, you know, is base is faced a lot of adversity. And now he's, you know, entering into this process uh, wholeheartedly and open, trying to answer all the questions to try to move his career on. Another one that um, uh, Jimmy from Bethune Cookman, the little running back out of uh, Bethune Cookman, is somebody that I, I'm I'm excited to see because I saw him at the. Uh, an all-star game last year and man, he played on a different speed. He really was, he did, he did a lot of things. I'm surprised an NFL team didn't scoop him up, but Jimmy Robinson is a guy who's a run. He's a wide receiver running back that a lot of people didn't get a chance to see. 
And then without a rookie mini camp, which I'm sure he would have got an invite to last year, he couldn't go wow somebody. He couldn't get on the field and do something. And um, and same thing with you know guys like Hunter Register. Hunter was a he's transfer, tall, dude. He's like six he, five. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He went to Minnesota, transferred down to Southern, finished his career there. He's like six five wide receiver. That again, people just didn't get a chance to see at a rookie mini camp or at his pro day. See his measurables. And, and be able to move, you know, move forward and give them an opportunity to try out last year and come in and impress. So these are the kind of kids, and, and there's a lot. I mean, please go to HBCU Combine. You'll see the whole list of everybody who's going to be there. There's a lot of great young men coming. And it's, again, it, it's a talented group. We worked with NFL teams. They gave us lists of players. They told us who they wanted to see. We worked our butts off with Phil and myself and Ulyss and Yogi and uh, and Alex, everybody, you know, got on these kids to get down there, take this opportunity and run with it. So, you know, it was a recruiting effort to the, and I, I give them credit. They're, they're giving us their faith that they're going to come down and get an opportunity to, you know, run in a combine and get their film to the NFL teams and CFL teams and European teams even are going to get it. Cause we're trying to just give them an opportunity to earn a paycheck playing football. And that's what they really want. And the love of the game from these young men. We've had a couple of like onboarding calls, we call them, and talk to these kids about what to expect and, you know, our COVID protocols and everything. So everybody knows what's going on. And, you know, these great young kids are, they're smart. They, they, they meet the challenges head on so far. I'm really looking forward to flying in on Thursday and starting to meet these, these guys, uh, Friday face to face and getting to, uh, work them out on Saturday and, and, you know, again, set the stage for them to be successful. So it's awesome. And what, one more guy I just want to mention real quickly, Donnie Curley, Corley, who actually started his career at Michigan State, ended up at Texas Southern. Very talented player. Actually made freshman All-American at Michigan State. Played both sides of the ball a little bit, too, during his Spartan career. Uh, definitely got another guy to keep an eye on. Now we want to bring on to the set with us, Mr. Philip Blackwell, who has served as a national director for the NFL Regional and Super Regional Combines. NFL Veteran Combines and NFL International Combines since 2019. West Virginia alumnus is also a former NFL journeyman along the lines with the Philadelphia Steelers, Washington Redskins at the time, and Carolina Panthers. He has been a player evaluator, drills coach, and director of Combines for the NFL, CFL, AAF, and XFL. Phil, welcome you to the show. Appreciate you taking some time with us tonight. Oh, I think you're on mute. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> nah, no, no, Phil and technology. <laughs> David can't say anything. David can't say anything about. I'm technology. just saying we got to take the training wheels off his computer. <laughs> oh. oh God, how y'all? Not doing that right? he and I don't know each other at all. <laughs> how are bit. you, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. You look fantastic. I'm trying to be like you when I grow I up. I love you. I love how you joined us in a well lit room tonight. Thank you so much for doing that. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can see there's a history here. There must there must be somewhat of a history here. I can feel it. Just, just, a, just a little bit. You could say that. Phil's part of the fam. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't forget the cannolis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
Well, Phil, I, I need to ask you off air the, the most embarrassing David Turner story of all time. But for now, David is kind of weekend. Right, yeah, it might be this weekend. Might have to talk to you after the weekend, I guess. But talk to us, Phil, about this weekend, this event. David highlighted a little bit, but just a little bit of the overview of the event and what should players be expecting as far as drills and just kind of the format of the event. Well, over overview of the event, we, we're going to try to do our best to mimic a NFL combine to to the NFL standards, to the NFL level, and we're going to get these guys an experience that that they're going to remember. Uh, so when the guys get there, when they get to Alabama, they're going to check in just like if they were getting into Indianapolis. They're going to check in in hotel and they're going to receive their gear. Um, uh, mostly, we call it identifying gear. It's going to be a shirt and stuff with a number on it that's already been pre-assigned to them so that from that point on we know exactly who we're you know talking to or who we we, we watch and walk down the hall uh from from that aspect they're going to move on to a educational component well really not move on to that they're going to they're going to get their measurables done they're going to get their height their weight their arm their hand span and their wingspan um and then we're going to take a nice body photo of them from there they're going to get some type of profile interview done um, then probably take a little five or 10 minute break. And then they're going to move on to, uh, one of the three educational components we're going to have. We're going to talk to them about financial literacy. We're going to talk to them about, uh, just life and having a life coach. Um, and then we're going to talk to them from a NFL scouts perspective. Uh, from there, we'll give them a quick little break and we'll go right on into dinner. Uh, have a typical dinner. Um, we have a recorded message from Stephen A. Smith himself. Um, nice. I just actually got off the phone with Stephen A. Smith probably about mm, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> um, that, that video is, is, is done, and I just saw it and heard him do it while I was driving, and it's Stephen A. Smith. It's, he's he's going he's to set, set the tone for the guys. Uh, after dinner... Um, well, during dinner, we have some few surprises for the guys and some awards. Um, we've, done, we've done some background checks on some of the guys and what they do in their communities. And we're going to give two guys a, a reward for their community service. Uh, from there, we're going, to, we're going to get right into testing. Uh, we're going to go right to uh, the UAB's facility and start with the bench press testing for the O-line, D-line, linebackers, uh, fullbacks, and tight ends. Uh, when we'll go to testing and then after that we'll call it the night then the next morning we're going to start rocking and rolling with a nice buffet breakfast and from there uh each group are going to get shuttled to the facility one position at a time and they're going to go through a nfl style uh combine you know they're going to get, get stretched out by a guy that's strictly just going to stretch them out then from there they're going to run the 40 yard dash and then uh, position drills and then do the other Test, which is the short shuttle, the uh, pro agility, uh, the vertical jump, and the broad jump. And then after that, they're, they're, they're the lamest term weekend. for pro agility is called L drill. For those of us that are not in the industry, talking industry oh, talk. Okay, okay, okay. L drill. There's a you know, L free cone L drill. Yes. Excuse yes. us for talking. You know, we need to dummy it down for some of us. I got you. Scotty so, for dummies. <laughs> yeah. So. We're going to get that done, and, and that group will be done for the weekend. But what I like about it is once they land, uh, however they're getting to Birmingham, it's all business. It's going to be all business from the time that they land until that last drill is done at the UAB facility. 
And then, um, you know, it's the same thing as, as we do at the NFL regional combines. It's just all rocking and rolling business in and out. Love it. That was very yeah. thorough, Phil. I, I was expecting a very like quick overview and you went in detail. Can you tell me what's on the menu? I want to hear everything. Oh, food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I don't know that much, but I do know the, um, some more uh, interviews are coming with uh, different uh, media agencies are doing interviews with some of the players. Um, and I'm just really excited because of how much stir this, this event has um, brought about. You know, yeah. uh, it's brought about a lot of, lot of stir. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's been all positive um, and the players are excited. And even one of the guys that I reached out to personally to extend the invite, um, um, extend the invite, he, he broke down in tears, you know. Wow. So that was really, really cool, you know, to, to just, just, just bring some, some joy to a guy, you know, and, and for him to break down in tears. And then afterwards, when he got himself together, I asked him, like, you know, why? And he's like, he, he was a, he's a 2020 guy. And he was just—he thought his opportunity was over, so that was really cool. Why did the committee? I know the answer, but I want the—I want the audience to hear the answer. Why did the committee choose to include the 2020 guys? The, the committee chose to choose the 2020 guys because they did not get a shot last year, um, and since the NFL had already invited them, we know that they had sparked some NFL interest. So we, we, we invited those 50 plus we were going to invite another 50 more from this upcoming, well, this current season, which all the HBCUs were, were scheduled at the time we were doing the planning. They were scheduled to be playing during all of this. Uh, but then since then, some uh, leagues have dropped and some uh, programs have said they wouldn't play in the first place. So we, we, we just wanted to uh, give everybody a chance. And also, if the guys didn't get a chance this season, that would have been two years behind, you know, that they didn't get a, get a shot. Yeah. Now, I mean, we, we just talked with, uh, with Steve Weish was when we were talking about the, just the impact, right? Like all those guys last year in 2020 that you're right. kind of talking about, like um, no pro days, if they weren't at, at a all-star event, if they didn't have a combine invite, like they just didn't have opportunity. It's a resume builder. So I, I right. think it's great that you have extended that opportunity, obviously to last year's class as well. And so I would like I would like to kind of ask for you, I can hear how important this is to you. And obviously, you know, the impact that you're having on young men is is fantastic with the story you shared about a player breaking down, just getting the opportunity for you. Why is this event? Why is this cause so important? Well, it's it's so important because we already know that these HBCU guys, uh, you know, they they don't have the, the same opportunities that everybody else has. So therefore, we would we would like to just try to level the playing field, but more of an exposure. Let, let's give these guys that are good. I mean, we just didn't invite anybody. We invited guys that already had some type of NFL interest. Um, so therefore, we, we we wanted you know these guys to just stand out and now put them on a the center stage. And I think that's where COVID is actually helping us out because not only there's nothing else going on. You know, these teams get to see and hear that this is what's going on just for HBCU guys. So now gathering them in one location, getting the teams to get the films of everything, 
you know, it's 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 a great opportunity for everybody across the board. Now let me ask you this one, Steve. Uh, Steve. He's <laughs> stuck in the past. <laughs> I know I'm stuck. I'm, I'm I, I still have a glow about me. Steve Weish was around. I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> tell us, um, how how do you feel this will elevate the exposure for the players? Not just, you know, not just that we're trying to, but you know, what's the reasoning for you? And I know I know how you've attacked this. That's why I'm asking this okay. question. How do you feel this is going to elevate? I think it's going to elevate the, the the exposure to that HBCU players or HBCU schools even have they they have the players that can possibly play on the next level. So to just stop look overlooking them, give them more of a chance. Um, I think it's going to bring bring more of a light along with what we've seen with Deion Sanders now coaching there. Um, just bring more of a light to HBCUs and their level of play. Because traditionally, for over years, they've been just, you know, just looked down upon. And, and right now, we just want to show them, show the world that, that there's no reason to look down upon them. You can sort through HBCU schools just like you would sort through an Ohio State or Penn State. Everybody there doesn't go pro. So why not give the HBCU guys a, a chance to just get looked at? Yep. What are some of the sponsors that have jumped on board to help this get pulled off? Well, namely, Gatorade has jumped on. Um, Gatorade is going to give each player the exact same thing they give the players at the Indianapolis Combine. Um, that has already been shipped out and will be there. Uh, Gatorade has jumped on. Uh, it's a good question you asked me that. PNC Bank. Wow. Um, oh, UAB has jumped on to, to be a sponsor. And UF, UAB Health Department. Um uh god i'm glad you asked that question but i'm trying to run down the list and also I, east bay has been east has bay been. yeah you're right east bay and Foot Locker is, is jumped on um and I, I got a hint today that uh delta airlines is, is is one of the people that would like to like to join in with this and um espn radio has 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 reached out to me and said that they would like to uh partake in part of this too Wow, that's fantastic. And, and I mean, just judging by that, it, it must be outstanding. I would love to hear your perspective just to see the growth of this event. And uh, obviously you spoke to the importance of just the just the, the significance of getting those players out in the forefront, getting HBCU out in the forefront, but then also to see the growth so quickly and so many great sponsors and everything. It must be fantastic to kind of see the growth. Yes, I, I like that since we brought this up, I think, that it's, it's, it's uncovered uh, some, some, some hidden uh, issues that people have wanted to bring out. Some people might have wanted to support HBCUs, uh, such as uh, Coach Clark, the head coach at UAB, just asking him in three sentences. He's like, yes, I want to do that. I want this at my university. I want it here. And then he went to the mayor and he went to the mayor and the mayor said, yes, it got to be here. Um, those things have, have been really great because it's like, oh, well, HBCUs have more support than they even realize. And yeah. it hasn't been anyone to turn us away because we said HBCU. Everyone has said, had said yes right away. I mean, the only thing that has slowed us down with anything was COVID and COVID protocols. But other than that, I mean, people's asking us yes. So uh, UAB came out the box and said, hey, let's do this for a couple of years. And I was like, wow, like this is 
this is really good. Um, just knowing that since I did not attend the HBCU, um, I've only known about historical stuff, and 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 a lot of a lot of historical stuff is historical trauma. So now that I'm I'm experiencing the exact opposite of it with, with dealing dealing with HBCUs, it's been nothing but positivity the whole time. Well, that's fantastic. And it's fantastic to know that this event's going to continue, going to continue to grow in the future. That is, uh, that's just so, so refreshing to hear just the, the pulse of HBCU and great news continuing tonight. Phil, I, I, I really want to thank you so much for taking some time. This is awesome. First time getting to meet you, get a little bit of your background, get a little bit of the background of the event. Would love you to take a second here. You want to shout out anybody you want to leave, you know, where people can find the event, where people can find you, anything at all. Well, I just want to shout out any and everybody that has any interest in HBCUs uh, where I appreciate that type of support. Um, but feel free to log on to HBCUcombine.com. Uh, follow the uh, updated results of the players this, this upcoming weekend. Um, those results will be starting to be updated as early as 9 p.m. Friday night. That's 9 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time Friday night because that's what we've been doing the bench press. And tell everybody follow us all, all evening, all evening long and all day long on Saturday. Absolutely. So you need to get ready for a great event. Phil Blackwell again, obviously um, bringing us some great news. It's a happy Tuesday night here <laughs> at Maverick Sp at Mav Sports Take. Phil, we appreciate you again. We have to have you on after the event. We have to have you on in the coming months. We have to have you on before next year's events. Keep this train rolling. I love it, man. Only if we get to tell a Dave story live. Yes. Don't get yes. ready. Be ready. <laughs> Don't get ready. Be ready. That's okay. right. Hey, thanks well, for that, That'll be guys. the next one. The next one, Phil. We'll, we'll leave the HBCU talk for maybe two two talks from now, right? The next okay. one is a David Turner exclusive. Nothing but exclusive. bad oh, I'm gonna. I think, <clears throat> I think the Rona just hit me. I'm not going to be around for that one. Oh, uh, uh, thanks again, guys, for having me. I thank you, Phil. You. I appreciate you coming on, buddy. I'll see you this weekend. All right. Everybody have a great one. Be safe out there. All right. So, again, Mr. Philip Blackwell. Uh, David, that was a lot of fun. I could tell that you guys have a nice history. I want to hear some of these stories. I really do. I can't <laughs> wait to hear some of these stories now that I know Phil. Now we, uh, you know, get, get, get the inside dirt on you. I can't wait. For oh, that. there's uh, there. And you don't have to dig too deep to find it on me. It's pretty out on the surface, <laughs> but. No, Phil's a great guy. I've worked with him uh, for a while. And, you know, again, he's he's a class act. And the thing people don't realize about Phil, well, there's a couple of things, but he's been running combines for on-street free agents trying to help young men get their combine, you know, uh, credibilities, numbers, and validated and everything for years now since 2009, like you said in his intro. And he's also helped XFL and CFL run combines. And so he's his heart's really big about just helping players get to the next step and get their careers going and get them where they want to be. So it's, it's exciting to be working with Phil and Ulysses and Yogi and everybody that we are, um, Andrea and, you know, Keon and, you know, everybody that's, uh, that's going to be there this weekend, the whole staff, the back end that's getting it done and making sure we're keeping the players safe. That's why we're doing one group at a time on the field and making sure that, you know, we, we, we don't overload or overdo it. You know, we've worked really hard to, curtail it down and if the nfl's listening i doubt they are but if they are you know this is something we could do for you all the time if you like <laughs> well oh the nfl's not listening i i doubt that who wouldn't tune in to mad sports take 
We here at Maverick Sports Consulting would like to ask you to follow, subscribe, and take the chance to interact with us on our Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and other social media platforms. We are a company that is all about helping maximize your opportunities in front of you and your career. The only way we can support you is if we hear from you. Your takeaway from tonight's show should be that if you interact with us, we will find a way to help you in your career path. Reach out and we could do a Mavs episode on your topic of choice, or we could circle back with you to help you with some individual attention. Don't wait. Reach out today at Mav underscore sports on all social media platforms. I love it, David. Every week I look up and I'm like, we're doing great on time. And now we're over an hour. So want to <laughs> kind of end this on a positive note. Of course, shout out to Mr. Steve Weish. Shout out to Philip Blackwell. It was fantastic. And again, the history, not just of football, but the importance of the historically black colleges and universities. Some of the ones that I mentioned, Mississippi Valley State, Jackson State, Grambling, Southern, Savannah State. So many great ones that not only live in infamy because of some of these um, some of these great football players that we talked about, the Willie Davises, the Willie Browns, the Art Shells, but the just the importance of why that why they became the relevance, why people were going to these colleges, why they had to go to these colleges and understanding the imp- long-term impact. That is the main takeaway for me. David Turner, of course, with your event coming up this week that you're obviously a part of, we, we wanted to shout it out one last time. I want to give you the floor to, uh, to end out this great HBCU exclusive podcast. Well, I want to thank you because you, you did – a lot of work for this show tonight and you brought a lot of the historical stuff to it. And you know what? I appreciate you. Cause you, like, again, over the summer you did an HBCU panel at the time. I didn't know you cared about HBCUs as much as I did. And yeah. then we, and then, you know, we found this passion for this historic nature of, of again, why, why they came to be um, what, where they're located and all that stuff. And then through football, we educated ourselves about these institutions and and the higher higher learning institutions. And again, I, I just thank you every week because you know doing the show with you is a pleasure. It's, it, we go back and forth, we have fun. But the shows like tonight, where we get to educate our our fans, educate our listeners, and take an opportunity to uh, show them that there's more to there's more to football than you realize. And you know, a lot of these young men that they, they don't they didn't initially have a place to play. Now they have a choice to play there. And I hope a lot of young men explore the choice. Like Steve said, you know, you don't have to be black to go to these colleges. They were set up that way, but you can be any creed or color going down there, any race. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just about playing football and getting a really quality education and graduating with your degree and accomplishing what you want to do. And like Phil said, we're trying to do this combine every year. So therefore you'll have your own platform. If you go to an HBCU, and you perform well, we will find you and we will put you in this spot to perform. And we are working with the NFL to have scouts there next year and in future years. Um, and, but in any year about it, we're always going to have the film to them. We're always going to get the ver- verified measurables to them so that you don't have to worry about maybe someone not attending your college pro day. They, you know, we will make sure they get to the, these decision makers as best we can. Yeah. And Steve did highlight, of course, Ryan Stanley, quarterback out of Florida A&M, was the conference player of the year in one of the conferences on the HBCU level last year. So, yes, not just a black thing, 
right? Like this is not just for black people to celebrate. This is for everyone to celebrate because this is history. This is important. We need to preserve it and we need to resurrect it. We need to keep it going. We need to take it to the next level. We need to give these people, these young men, opportunities. So shout out to everybody. Again, Mr. Steve Weish, Mrs. Fuller Blackwell, Mr. David Turner, of course, who is my great co-host, who I cannot even explain the pleasure that I have to talk football with you every week. Shout out to everybody that stuck with us for this episode. This is Mavs Sports Take episode 35, the HBCU Combine exclusive. We thank you all. We'll be back again next week, 8.30 Eastern time on Tuesday night on the NFL Draft Bible live stream. Make sure that you go to any podcast platform. Drop us a five-star review. Give us a nice review. Tell, tell Ryan Roberts is a handsome man. Tell David Turner is very astute in his opinion. Would love. Ryan will send a check to you as soon as you do that. He'll send uh, a check. Ryan right doesn't right have any money. Ryan, Ryan has a newborn. He doesn't have any money. But we would have really appreciated so much. Like, share, subscribe. Do everything on any podcast platform that you use. Spotify. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. See you guys again. Same time, same place next week. Appreciate everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts on today's episode and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit mavericksportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.